Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Bible, go to Titus chapter 3. Um, we are, uh, uh, next Sunday, we will wrap up this, this short letter um, as, as we, and, and on a larger scale, wrap up the entire uh, pastoral letters. Um, and uh, so, uh, so far in, in this series, we've looked at biblical church leadership and, and the way that that's framed in the Bible. We said the, the kind of the normative pattern that we see is a plurality of elders um, who lead in a congregational-based government, um, church, congregational-based church government. Um, we've looked at false teachers and the danger they pose to not just the church body as a whole, but, but individual believers as well. We've looked at how we relate to other believers of all ages. And then last week, we, we looked at how we are to live in light of the gospel, how, how the gospel shapes the way that we uh, live. And, and today we're going to continue talking about how we're to live um, with just a bit of a shift of focus. And, and especially this morning, we're focusing on how we live before outsiders. What do we proclaim to the watching world? And that's the, the title of, and you will be my witnesses. That, that title comes not out of Titus, but out of the book of Acts. In, in Acts 1.8, where Jesus is telling his disciples, uh, right before he ascends into heaven, before their eyes, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, so this morning, in, in the passage before us, Paul is concerned with, his, with the witness of believers before a watching World. And so this morning, we're going to look at how we can then serve as witnesses to the world and everything that we say and everything that we do and how we act. All right? So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so if you have your Bible uh, in uh, Titus chapter 3, let's stand as we read verses 1 through 11. The word of the Lord says this, Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. 
I pray this morning as we look at this passage together, you'll show us the ways that we have not been good witnesses. Those ways that we have served to be divisive at times. Not just among believers, but before a watching world. May we be people who are not not perfect, but progressing in repentance, progressing in sanctification, and, and looking more and more like Jesus each and every day. And if there are areas of our lives where we need to repent, I pray that we would be quick to do so this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Um, now, as I said, I, I was just shocked by the, by the timeliness of this. Um, I, I was shocked by the timeliness of it before um, because we've entered into, if you've, if you've paid attention at all, we are into um, the first part of the 2020 election cycle debate. Um, and, and it's already going about as well as you would imagine it would after 2016 and, and what happened there. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for social media in a lot of ways. It helps us connect. It, it, there, there's some good things about that. But as far as furthering civil discourse on areas in which we may disagree, I think it's failed miserably. Um, and and it, it continues to become more and more um, poisonous. And, and the reality is that's not going to change, at least from, from the world standpoint. One of the things we have to ask is, as believers, though, is if we are contributing to um, that cesspool of toxicity um, in our culture and, and where, we have, where we have messed up. Um, and so, uh, again, this morning, as we turn our eyes to, to how we can serve as witnesses in the world, the first thing that Paul says is that we are to respect others in verses 1 and 2. And he starts by reminding us to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. So there are several areas here that he's going to address, but, but the overall um, thrust of these two passages, or these two verses, is that we would be people who respect others as believers. It doesn't mean we have to agree with them. But you notice he begins with rulers and authorities. Paul here is calling on the believers in Crete to submit to governing authorities as long as, and here's the one caveat, as long as submission to them would not include denying Christ and his word. That's the caveat. And in Romans 13:1, he's going to say this, let everyone submit to the governing authority since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Here's what he's saying. No ruler has his position unless God has ordained that he's there. Now, listen, I've heard some people argue, well, this, is, this was in the case of monarchies, and, and we now live in, the, in a democratic republic where we elect people, and this isn't necessarily the case. Do you think that God's sovereignty is thwarted because you get to go express your opinion at the ballot box? Really? So, so listen, here's what this tells me, okay? This tells me that we are to submit to authorities. And notice there is no unless you disagree with them. Unless they're not from your preferred political party. That's not there. 
Keep in mind that as Paul's writing this, the emperor in Rome was Nero, who was crucifying Christians and then setting them on fire and using their bodies to light the streets in Jerusalem. And this is Paul saying, submit to the ruling authorities because they're not there unless God has ordained that they be there. And and so, listen, it's dangerous when a a preacher starts talking politics, right? But here we go. Um, One of the disturbing things that I see on, on social media really over the past three years or so is this idea that our governing authorities are um, beyond criticism. Now, now, submitting to them does not mean that you agree with everything that they do, and it doesn't mean that, that we can't call out where we believe we see ungodliness propping up, but, but here's, the, here's the, the disparity that I've seen. Over the past two and a half years, I've seen people just get livid any time someone dares say a negative word against President Trump. And these same people who are livid that anyone would dare say something bad against President Trump posted some of the most vile things about President Obama. Now, you can't say, well, I can criticize him. It's okay because he's a Democrat, but you can't criticize him because he's a Republican. We don't have that ability. Now, I believe we as believers have the responsibility to support our leaders when we can, to call them out when we must. And that applies to any political persuasion. And and here's my plea with believers. Don't be so married to any one political party that you're unwilling to acknowledge the good that may be done by someone from another party and that you're unwilling to acknowledge um, um, unjustness and ungodliness in, in your own political party where it exists. Because I've said this before, but at the end of the day, our primary allegiance is not to this flag, it's to this flag. It's to the Savior and his kingdom, which will last far beyond any government on the, the face of this planet. Now keep in mind, Paul's writing this in the middle of uh, the Roman government, right? The, the Roman Empire which ruled the entire known world, or at least most of it, for around 1,500 years or so. We're here less than 250 years. If the Roman Empire didn't last until eternity, the United States of America doesn't have the best shot in the world. There will come a day where our nation no longer exists, and that won't stop the kingdom of God one little bit. So let us submit to the ruling authorities, to to rulers and and authorities. Let us submit to governing authorities as we're able to. Recognizing there's no authority except from God, the authorities that exist are instituted by God. But then he, he goes on. So he doesn't stop there, right? He says, and to be ready for every good work. Now this is a key theme that's gonna appear again next week. Uh, in fact, in, in the, the short um, book, that is, the short letter that is Titus, Paul's going to mention um, good works six times in here. He's, he's repeating that because it's something the people in Crete obviously need to hear. Paul reminds Titus that as believers, we are to be people of good works, not in order to gain salvation, but because we have been saved. And then he says, always showing gentleness to all people. Now, again, I realize this was written before the dawn of social media, okay? So this was written before uh, you could just post something on Twitter, right? Whatever your thoughts were. 
But let us beware of how we act towards others, whether in person or when you're at a keyboard. Are you characterized by gentleness? And if not, the question is, why not? See what Paul's communicating in this passage is that ultimately we are proclaiming something about the gospel to those around us. And if you're constantly railing on social media about immigration or about abortion or Republicans or Democrats, what are, what are you saying to a watching world? Now, it's not that, that none of these issues are important. It's not that, that, that we as believers shouldn't have certain beliefs on certain issues, it's that we want to make sure we are people who proclaim the truth with gentleness. And notice that Paul says here, we're to show gentleness to all people, not just to those with whom we agree. And not just to other believers, all people. By the way, that includes even those who don't respond in kind with gentleness. great quote here from from Charles Spurgeon. He says, uh, speaking on this verse, he said, kindness and gentleness are two of the ornaments of our faith. I would that some professed Christians would understand that unholy contentiousness is not after the mind of Christ. I remember um, a few years ago, oddly enough, at a a funeral visitation, um, a gentleman from my hometown coming up. We were friends on Facebook, and and, and he would uh, go on Facebook rants, and he, and he walked up to me. We hadn't seen each other in, in a couple of years in person, so we were talking, and, and he said, so, he said, so, so, do you have any other friends that are like me, the angry Christian on social media? And I just remember thinking to myself, how sad is that? Like, that that's your reputation, first of all, and that you're owning that. Like, you're known as the angry Christian. Have, have, has your mind ever been changed by a Facebook rant? Have you ever like read somebody just railing and go, you know, he brings up some good points that I have not yet considered. I'm glad he called me an idiot on social media. That's, that's very helpful. No. It's not usually the way it works, right? And Christ, or Peter would turn our attention here and simply say, but in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, Christ the Lord is holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone asks, who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So be prepared. If it, and listen, if there's a question that comes up on social media, you can respond. Well, this is what I believe. I'd love to talk this over more. But look at this qualifier. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. Let us be people who are known, even among those who would not share our faith, even among those who, who, who are wholly unconcerned with what the Bible says. Let us be people who respond with respect and kindness and gentleness even when we disagree. May may we as believers model the art of how to disagree without being disagreeable. So that's the first thing that we 
We serve as witnesses in the world as we respect others. One of the things that helps us do that is, is to remember who we once were in verse 3. And Paul reminds us, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. So, so lest we get in our minds and, and be, become arrogant, thinking, well, I always show respect to one another. I would never disrespect someone else. I'm, I'm well beyond that. Paul would remind us where we come from, which, which should remind us of, of the gospel, right? But for the grace of God, there go I. Without God's saving grace in your life, there's no telling what you would be capable Focusing on the gospel causes us to take a good, hard look at ourselves. And, and as we do, we realize that the great sin that was present in us before we came to know Christ. And if we're honest, I think that causes us to recognize the sin that still lives in us, that we're called to be fighting against. Not that we would despair But that by remembering who we once were, that would then lead us to the next thing, which is to recognize the grace of God, which he, he gives us in verses 4 through 7, which uh, one commentator called the, the greatest verse in the Bible, the, the clearest explanation of the new life in Christ here in, in these verses. Listen to this. He, so remember, he just, he just reminded us of who we were before we came to know Christ. He says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. He reminds us that we're able to respect others. We're able to respond with gentleness because Christ responded to us with gentleness in the middle of our disobedience, in the middle of our sin. He showed his great love for us. He saved us. May we never be people who take the grace of God for granted. God forbid. God forbid that I lose sight of the sin that was in my heart. Well, listen, I, I was saved as a six-year-old boy. I, I didn't have like a long history of drunkenness up to that point, right? <laughs> But I came to recognize, even, even in my six-year-old understanding, that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. You know what's happened every day since then? I've continued to realize ways in which I'm a sinner, and I'm still in need of a Savior. May we never lose sight of the sin that's prevalent in our lives. 
as, as the, the great hymn writer said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. May, may we recognize that in ourselves and stand in awe of this God who despite ourselves saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. And until we understand the depth of our own sin, we will not understand the beauty and the majesty of the grace of God. Those two things go hand in hand. And so I I worry about entire denominations that are putting away discussions on sin because we don't want people to feel bad. Because as we lose sight of how horrific sin is, we lose sight of how beautiful the cross is and how great the grace of God is. And as we stand in awe of the grace that God has shown to us, we can't but tell others about what he's done in my life and in your life. And invite them to experience the same thing as they turn from sin and as they trust in Christ. Then here's the last thing that that Paul mentions here. He says that we are to reject division in order to be witnesses before a lost and dying world. He says this in verse 8. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. There's that again. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Look here at verse 10. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. So first, he, he encourages us, right, to pursue good works. But then he says this, avoid foolish disputes. Now, this has been a problem for the last 2,000 years. It was a problem, I would imagine, before Paul wrote these words. And, and here we are in 2019, and, and for all that we have progressed and evolved, how many times do we get into foolish disputes? See, here's the thing about social media and the internet, right? You can find someone to argue with you over anything. Even about what color some dumb dress is online, right? I mean, we, is it, was it you know, black and blue or is it gold and white? And we'll get into arguments about that. As I already said, you're, you're, you're not likely to change someone's opinion over a social media rant, Right? Now, over a cup of coffee, having a face-to-face discussion, when there's another person sitting on the other table who has a fist that can come across if you say something like you sometimes say on social media, right? Yes, maybe we can have real discussions that way. And, you know, as as Southern Baptists, um, there is kind of a running joke in the culture, um, 
every year as we gather together as the Southern Baptist Convention where I think sometimes reporters show up just to find out what Southern Baptists are fighting about now. And sometimes we've laughed that off, but, but isn't, that, isn't that a condemnation of us that, that shows that we have, in the way we've handled disagreements in the past, we've created somewhat of a, of a circus for ourselves. How often have we seen churches split because of foolish disputes? Again, right? Think, think of the things that we joke about churches splitting over that are only funny because they're true. Colors the carpet. Pews or chairs. What kind of music are we going to have in the service? Well, it's too cold or it's too hot. And, and, and in so doing, as, as I said earlier d- during the prayer time, when, when we argue about those types of things, we, we reveal that we don't really believe the gospel, that we don't really believe about the importance of eternity and the fact that we need one another to, to live the Christian life. Because I guarantee you, in the Middle East, where believers are huddled together in a closet with a single light bulb over and they're, they're, they're praying quietly and they're singing quietly for fear that, that authorities will come in and drag them all to prison. I, I guarantee there's never been a fight over the color of carpet in that closet. And ultimately, Paul calls us to, in verse 10, to reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. He says in verse 11, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. Now, this is um, talking church discipline. Um, it's not someone who simply disagrees with a decision, right? That happens. We, we can disagree over what color of the carpet, what color of the carpet should be. We can have differences of opinions, but ultimately we shouldn't Allow that to divide us. What Paul's getting at here are people who are constantly looking for something to complain about, creating division within the church. Not over, now, now, there are things worth dividing over, right? If I was just to set the Bible aside and said, hey, today we're going like to read Dr. Seuss from the pulpit. Let's exegete Dr. Seuss. Right? That, that would be something to divide over. But someone who's intentionally divisive, the picture we get here is that they are cancer. They've become cancer to the unity of the church. And Paul actually, now think about how rare this is. Paul actually calls the salvation of such a person into question here. He says, you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. What Paul's saying is by, their, by this person's lifestyle, by the way they're acting, they are not showing that they are regenerate, that they've come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So what do we do as believers then? Well, let us show respect. And, and, and shouldn't that begin in the family of God? Shouldn't that begin with other brothers and sisters? I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad to lead a, a church that is, 
that, that, uh, that, that is diverse. We have, we have all kinds of different jobs represented. Um, we have different ethnicities. Folks from all over the country. We have Republicans and some Democrats and probably some independents too that are all, that are all gathered here together. United under one thing, that we've been saved by Almighty God. So that those other things no longer define us. Now we, we identify as a child of the King. We gather together with other brothers and sisters of the King. That we would model for those in Al Nagordo how to respect our governing authorities, whether we agree with them or not. How to respond to others. How, how, even how we respond to immense tragedies like we saw yesterday. We're proclaiming something of the gospel. That there would be people who remember who we were. That we've not, we would not have short memories of the grace of God shown to us in the middle of our sinfulness. And then ultimately that we would not let anything divide us. That we would realize that the gospel binds us together. And questions of buildings, questions of budgets don't have to divide. Now again, like so much we've talked about, this is something that's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here and you've not come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to visit with you in just a moment as we stand to sing and and pray with you and show you how you can turn from sin and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you simply need to repent of attitudes, actions that have not proclaimed the gospel to a watching world. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know your story. I don't know, your, I don't know exactly what's going on in your heart. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's even some, some folks here in the room. You need to just go and say, hey, I'm sorry. There's an issue here. We, we don't, I don't want to be divided from brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's, let's make this right. However the Lord's moving in your heart this morning, you respond to that. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the way that it speaks to us and how it's timely now. As we look at the people shouting over one another in our culture, trying to make sure that they're heard more than others, that, that we wouldn't reflect that in the way that we react. Even as believers engaged in, in everyday conversation or on social media, we'd be seeking to build up, we'd be proclaiming the truth of your word, but with gentleness and respect. And as we do so, that might open up conversations with folks who have questions whether it's about social issues or about the gospel, that, that you, would, you would give us the authority and permission through our demeanor to speak into the lives of those around us. Help us to be people who are ultimately united in the gospel, not divided by lesser things. We know our... our the sin in our hearts is strong, and it tends to, to pull us in these areas. So when that happens, open our eyes to the fact that, that we are not following you. We're, we're tempted to follow our, our own thoughts, our own ways. 
and stop us when it's necessary. So that ultimately everything we say, everything we do would bring glory and honor to you, to your name, and would proclaim to a lost and dying world, a hurting world, that we believe in you is where true hope and true peace and true joy is found. Walk with us, forgive us when we fail in those areas. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.